Software Engineering Radio, Episode 6, Model-Driven Software Development, Part 2. This is the second part of our introduction to model-driven software development. In the first episode on this topic we talked about what model-driven development is all about, um, about the core concepts, about the tooling, about some of the MDA standard. In this episode we'll talk more about the soft topics like how do you introduce MDSD into projects, how do you make sure all your all your developers can understand the technology, how do you combine MDSD with agile development. Have fun. So with all these meta models and meta meta models and models and whatever, I'm wondering whether you what this means for the kind of programmer that you need to have in your projects. So uh, is it possible to do this on your own? Do you need to have some kind of super programmers that know everything about EMF and UML and the UML tool and meta models and meta model transformations and what have you? Well, um, of course, using model development is is a shift from traditional development. Not just because you have to know and understand all those buzzwords. Also because, you know, not all projects think well and extensively about their architecture. So being forced to make that explicit is also a problem. Um, of course, you have to learn all those tools and some of the concepts. And of course, if you start a project, it's probably not good to start a new project in a new domain with a new technology and a new platform and then also introducing MDSD because that would be too much. Um, so when starting to use MDSD, you should do this in a familiar environment with your, you know, you've used J2E for five projects and you use it again and now you use the automation provided by MDSD. So this is the first important thing. Second thing is that there are two different roles in MDSD-based projects. The first role is actually those folks who, uh, you know, formalize the architecture and build the generator, define the meta models. This is what we call the domain architecture development track or thread or path. And then there is the other group of people who use, who use this um, generator to um, yeah, build applications. And those people don't have to understand all those fancy things. They just have to be able to draw or write up models and then start the generator and know how to work with what the generator spits out. And of course, that might be non-trivial. So you have to document the programming model and how to use the generator, how to use the DSL. But this rather magic stuff, uh, you know, one or two meta levels higher, that's something only a, a limited group of people should usually use. Also, my experience is that Being able to formalize things into meta models and working on that conceptual level is not everybody's. Um, not everybody can easily do that. It's it's to some extent you you can learn it, but not completely. There has to be uh, you know some kind of predisposition for people um, being able to do that. So there are some folks in projects who usually like doing that. I mean, of course, you have to make sure that they you know don't start you know drifting off and and coming up with rather cool generators that don't solve anybody's problem but you have to make sure that you have those two different groups of people for the people who who like doing that and who kind of 
want to do that in projects. These people understand it reasonably well, uh, fast. On the other hand, I think, and that's not, I'm not saying that because I, I want to sell consulting hours or anything. It's My experience is really that it helps at the beginning of a project to have somebody that has done it before, giving you some advice, avoiding the basic pitfalls, and maybe also showing you how to work with the tool you want to use. So that because it is new in several respects, it, it does make sense to have somebody help you. So that's basically something that, that you can say for everything that you have to introduce new into an organization that you have to have somebody that is experienced and external help can help and so on and so on. So that's probably not so um, so surprising. The other thing that I'm wondering is uh, at the end of the day we are talking about automation and usually this means that uh, you generate a payoff after doing the same thing several times. So usually you would expect that um, you would have to do a significant investment into automation and you get a payoff after some projects that uh, benefit from the automation to uh, do less manual work. So what I'm wondering is how many projects do I have to have uh, of the same kind until my generator and my investment into automation uh, pays off. Can you give any uh, hints about this from your experience? So, of course, in, in, in the case of MDSD, the economies of scale uh, hit you hard. That means um, if you build an infrastructure, you know, meta models, generators and stuff, that you can use over and over and over and over again, then this is obviously an advantage. So, if you work in software system families where product lines, where you build all kinds of applications based on the same domain architecture, Uh, then this is an advantage, obviously. And it's probably easy to argue that in such a setting it's good to use the approach we just talked about. So the challenge is, how do I make sure that using MDSD already pays off much earlier and not only you know, after in three years, because almost nobody invests into something that pays off after three years. So what I always say, and the funny thing is that all the people I know who have real experience in MDSD, they will say exactly the same. If Introducing MDSD doesn't pay off in the first project you did something wrong. So um, you have to do it pragmatically, of course. You, can't, you, you shouldn't try to aim at the holy grail of real domain-specific stuff, as we talked about before. But if you automate your architecture um, sensibly, then this can save you so much work that this pays off after a couple of weeks or months. Of course, there is one precondition. If you count in learning all the tools into one project, then that might not be true. But if you have some external help for a week or two and they set you up the basic infrastructure and teach you some best practices and some anti-patterns, then I would say that in a project, you know, like seven or eight people working for a couple of months using MDSD will pay off. This is definitely my experience. And it's not just about, you know, spending less work Coming, you know, spitting out the code. It's also your 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 software quality improves because generators don't make ex accidental errors. They're either always right or always wrong. And things that are always wrong can more easily be debugged than things that are only are only occasionally wrong. And also, you can more easily change the platform if you want to migrate, for example, from Hibernate to Toplink then this is rather easy because if you didn't do things completely wrong, then you just have to adapt your code generation templates. So what I'm saying is that in addition to spending less effort and doing, you know, having less work to do, you also improve maintainability and software quality. 
and and also you you kind of capture best practices about about your architecture in in in, in templates and meta models so there are all kinds of kind of non-countable benefits that are really important and so if if you take that into account it it pays off really early so the the thing to note here is it's not just about automation it's also about architecture centric uh the architecture centric view and how this improves uh, software development in general so um and and also the the effort at least from what i've seen uh, to implement such a generator is not as big as you would probably think uh, when when you hear about that right um so to, today's tools are eh, i wouldn't say sophisticated because compared to you know mainstream ides like eclipse it's still quite in its infancy but those tools are really not too bad and you can work productively with them and so getting into those tools is not as bad as it might look if you look from the outside so is this the weapon that we've been looking for to fight offshoring or is it not enough to get this payoff to keep uh, programming jobs in Europe or the US. Yeah, this is an interesting topic. I mean, why will people offshore things? One thing is because of political reasons. Some, you know, boss CEO or C whatever O decided that strategically 50% of all development effort has to be outsourced or offshore to some wherever. So I can't argue against that. That's political, strategic, I mean, not my problem. What I can say is that if you want, if you think about offshoring because you have a real reason for it, which means that you can have a lot of work being done for less money, then using MDSD can be an alternative. And, and that is in two ways. First of all, if you automate, then the brain-dead work that you are probably inclined to out offshore is it doesn't happen anymore because the generator does that for you. So, you know, you don't have those large amounts of stupid things that people have to do over and over and over and over again and that's too expensive and therefore you have to offshore it. So that's that's one argument, which is against offshoring and pro-MDSD, of course. <laughs> the other thing is that if you have to offshore, then the challenge is to, off to offshore in a way that the core know-how about your architecture and your business stays in-house. You don't want to offshore your knowledge. You want to offshore work. And if you do that you can use MDSD to ensure that. So you can, you can, for example, define the architecture and the generators locally and define a programming model that is well restricted by using generators and all kinds of things, patterns and stuff. And then you can let people do the, the implementation of the business logic uh, somewhere else. So you could, uh, for example, come up with uh, some specifications using your DSLs locally and then ship that over to... Uh, the offshore location where people then add some of the business logic and maybe draw the GUIs which are often hard to generate if you want it um, to look really nice um, so there are other means by which MDSD can help make offshoring more feasible however to be honest I think if you do MDSD right you don't want to offshore and, and do you think it's important that um that you reach the holy grail of doing MDSD uh, with a real domain-specific language to uh, to to uh, be able to compete against offshoring, or is it already enough to have this architecture-centric uh, MDSD approach? It really depends um, what you want to achieve with offshoring. If it's really that you want to have those huge amounts of work being done 
cheaper, then you can automate large part of that and you wouldn't want to uh, offshore anymore. Um, so actually, I'm to be honest, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, I, I, if I had to decide between offshoring and model-driven, uh, obviously I would use model-driven and, and that's also because, you know, those risks of communication and different cultures and time zones and all that stuff. That's not there. Of course, you have risks too if you go to this new MDSD technology, but it's it's something that's a bit more controlled. Now, of course, on the other hand, I have to say that I have more experience with MDSD than with offshoring. So maybe I'm not quite quite fair here. But to me, it seems that automating things is better than getting huge amounts of people to do cheap work because you know they all have to be coordinated and managed and all these things. So I'm, I'm, I'm really skeptical about the offshoring thing. An interesting idea to have uh, MDSD to uh, solve part of the communication problem that you already always have in uh, software development projects because there are all these people that have to be coordinated and so on. So one other thing that I'm wondering is, uh, I mean, the role of the model is um, is pretty much a formalized model and it's uh, becoming a software artifact. And that's quite different from what, for example, agility says, because agility says, okay, so models are one part of communication and it's something that I draw somewhere on a whiteboard or whatever. And if everybody says, okay, this is what we agree upon and we all know what this means and it aids us in communication, that's what we want from the models. And that's pretty much different from what MDSD says, because it says, okay, this has to be formalized and it's uh, one of part of, of the code that we are going to produce and so on. So do you think that, uh, that you can actually use MDSD in an Agile project? I have never used MDSD in any other context than an Agile project. So I'm not sure if this, this discussion between Agile and model-driven is still so important today. Two or three years ago, it was important because it was kind of, you know, oh, the case tool folks come back and now they're calling it MDSD and we don't want that. I think those two approaches don't contradict each other at all. Um, I'm going as far as to say that you can't be agile without being model-driven. Now that's probably too far. But um, what I'm trying to say is that if you do MDSD right, then it helps you to become more agile. Examples. Um, if you want to migrate your project, your code, from one technical infrastructure to another, for example, to a new version of J2E or something, then using model-driven development, this is much easier because you only have to change things in one place, templates, code generation templates. So this makes you more agile because you can respond to change in technical aspects more quickly. The same is true to uh, for functional non-technical things like if your customer has different algorithms different different you know attributes for your entities different uh, GUI layout you can just change things in one place again which is in this case the model and then regenerate the application so this also makes you more agile another thing is if you have a good DSL that represents your domain concepts nicely, then it becomes feasible to do pair programming with domain experts. I'm not saying that, you know, DSLs are so good that your customer can do the programming for you. That's probably an illusion. But you can actually uh, sit together in front of a machine. You have your domain expert, you have your um, programmer who uses your DSLs to build models, 
And then if the domain expert wants something different, has a different requirement, you change things, press a button, and a couple of minutes later, depending on how long your generator runs, you have a running application. So this, this um, customer integration can be, can be improved significantly. Another thing is that if you talk to many of the Agile folks, then they're really big fans of automating all kinds of things. They want automated tests, they want automated build, they want automated creation of documentation, at least Java Doc and these kinds of things. So using automation to generate some of the code and to you know do some of the tedious work is just a logical consequence. It's just the next step. So I don't think there is any difference in mindset here. So I think MDSD and Agile development go together really well. Now, of course, there is... Oh, yeah, testing. Um, many people uh, equal uh, Agile development with test-driven. And, of course, you can do the same in model-driven development. You can first, for example, um, come up with your component structures in a model. You generate the interfaces. Then you write a test case. And then you implement your business logic uh, until the test shows green. So you can do this approach in exactly the same way as, as before. Now, there are two things that, that, is, that is important to say that things work. One is domain architectures like those DSLs and meta models, they're built on experience. We don't want to come up with a big design up front where there is a magic team of architects that sits into a room for half a year, comes up with the architecture and the generator, and then people have to use it no matter whether it really solves anybody's problem. So it's really, 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 really important to build those meta artifacts, the domain architecture, as you go in the project. And that also means that you have to have people on the project who are able and good enough and fast enough to respond to changes or to, to implement changes in the domain architecture. So if the application developers tell you the generator is missing a feature or something doesn't work and something is wrong and the architecture doesn't work, then you have to be able to change these things and not, you know, within six weeks because then your application developers get frustrated and you're, you're screwed. So what you have to do is to make sure you have a team of people who can respond to changes in requirements with regards to the domain architecture quickly. And that is that is the real challenge in model-driven development, to coordinate the domain architecture development with application development. Because application development is driven by short-term goals and deadlines by the customer, and you know we need this feature tomorrow, otherwise the customer is gone. Whereas the domain architecture development has more this you know, mid-term thing. You want to build an infrastructure you can reuse. You want to do the architecture right. You want to make sure things are clean and nice. So aligning those two goals and also making compromises in both domains from time to time and then maybe fixing them later. Like you have to do some hack in the generator to make application developers happy. But then in the next iteration, you, um, you fix the generator and do it nicely. That's the real challenge. And doing that iteratively in, in, for example, you know, a new generator release every week. And then also make sure that the generator knows about the different model versions and can handle these things. That is non-trivial. And that is also where experience is required. Come, you know, understanding those tools and building nice DSLs is not that complicated. But making that work in, like, projects with more than five people, that's certainly a challenge. It's comparable to building frameworks. And we all know that if you don't manage that carefully, you get really cool frameworks that nobody needs. Yeah, so I think uh, that was quite a lot of really interesting experiences and uh, explanations about MDSD and models and model-driven approaches and so on. And um, I think it's really a good idea to take a look at this 
yourself and try to uh, figure out how it could work for you. And uh, there are some um, some links on our home on our homepage, which is uh, http um, se-radio.net. So one thing I want to add at, at the at the end. So two things. First of all, try it. It's first of all, it's fun. And second, it's much easier than you might think. And the second thing is that uh, we we just scratched the surface in this episode, and we will probably have additional episodes on this topic down the road. Not the next subsequent ones, but from time to time we'll catch up this topic again and again. And uh, one thing we might certainly will take a look at is, for example, doing you know discussing things a bit more practical, like you know what tools do you use, what specific steps have do you have to do to do it where's a good starting point and these kinds of things so we'll we'll do that in subsequent approach uh, episodes this one was thought as laying the foundation for this topic and i think um talking about software engineering radio in general we'll have over time we'll have several threads probably which we'll grab again and again and and, and you know provide more and more details over time so um that's it yeah okay so thanks for listening This was another episode of Software Engineering Radio. For general information, feedback and past episodes, go to se-radio.net. Software Engineering Radio wants to thank Henning Pauli for providing the music we use on this show.